Good morning, Westside. It's great to be with you again. Um, I'm looking forward to the day when we're back together. Um, and not sure what that looks like yet, but we're in the process of making all those plans. Uh, we're hopefully shooting for maybe June 21st, but you'll hear more about that uh, this week. Now, if you're a guest with us, uh, we would love for you to hit that connect button and to connect with us to uh, send us your information where that I can then contact you. I'd love to send you a gift from the church. That would be awesome. I also want to invite everyone to join me this Friday, uh, coming Friday on June 5th at 7 p.m. for what we're calling a concert of prayer. We're going to do this through uh, Facebook, room chat, if that's what it's called. I think it's something like that. But uh, I will be able to send you a link. We'll probably post a link where you can just click it and get on, or I can send it to you individually if you'll just let me know that you want to participate. But this is just going to be a time when we as a church can gather together, even if it's uh, through, through this um, online stuff, to be able to pray together, to do some worship together, to just be able to connect together that way, and to begin to lift up not only... Um, what we're going through as a country, but especially then to pray especially about our regathering and what that's going to look like and, and just praying for God to really bless that. So I really want to encourage everyone to join me and to participate because it's going to be awesome. That's this Friday at 7 p.m. You know, we're in uh, week six of our series called The Power of a Whisper, and this is an incredible series that is teaching us how to get better at hearing from God and then bolder about just doing what God is really pouring into us and telling us to do. Last week, we finished looking at the life of Noah as we looked at that first whisper, which was a whisper of action. Now, for me last week, the big takeaway was this. God just wants a relationship with you and me, a relationship that comes from a growing faith as we continue in our life to just put our trust in him and allow him to lead us. Now, this morning, I want us to unpack our next whisper from God. But before we do, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, I just thank you for all you do. I thank you for this time that we can come together as a church, even if it's online, Father, but that we can join our hearts, especially together. Now, Father, I pray for this morning. I pray that you'll be with us. Just open our hearts up to what you have for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. In 1997, Timothy McVeigh was convicted of the bombing at the federal building in Oklahoma City. He killed 168 people in that. During the trial, one of McVeigh's old army buddies testified in court, and he made a, a revealing observation about human nature. This is what he said. He said, I've known Tim for quite a while. He said, if you don't consider what happened in Oklahoma, Tim is a really good person. Now, when I read that, I thought, wow, that describes the thinking process of a lot of people today. Why? Because we tend to downplay our sins, and we judge ourselves by the good we've done. And so we convince ourselves that if we just take this or that out of the equation, then we are actually a pretty good person. But here's the problem. The problem is we may remove those things from the equation, but God doesn't. And those things will eventually have to be dealt with. That's why this next whisper from God is so important. 
You see, our second whisper that we want to look at is called a whisper of admonition. A whisper of admonition. Now, you may be thinking, well, what in the world's an admonition? Well, the dictionary defines it this way. It's a warning to correct some fault, a mild but earnest rebuke, a reprimand. It's advice for or against doing something. In other words, a whisper of admonition. This is God's way of letting us know what needs to change, what needs to be corrected in our behavior as well as in our attitudes. And so for our story today, we just want to take a look at a chapter in David's life from the Old Testament. It's found in 2 Samuel in both chapter 11 and chapter 12. Now, most of us probably, if you think about David or hear somebody talking about David from the Old Testament, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Well, for most of us, it's probably the fact that he defeated a giant by the name of Goliath with a rock and a slingshot, right? I mean, that's probably what most people think. But there was so much more to him than that. He became one of the most well-known and successful, successful kings of Israel. He was even described as a man after God's own heart. But as good as David was, he was far from perfect. And he knew what it was like to sense God's whisper of admonition. You see, it came at a time when things were, were going really pretty well on the, on the outside. But then all of a sudden, he found himself in the middle of the sins of idolatry and murder. Here's what happened. It was a time when kings went off to war, but for whatever reason, David decided to stay home. One evening, he went up on the palace rooftop, and he was just looking out over uh, the, the city when he saw a beautiful woman bathing herself down below. Now, I've always wondered why in the world she was bathing where she could be seen, but nevertheless, that's what happened. And David couldn't take his eyes off of her. All of a sudden, his lust overrides his loyalty to God and his loyalty to her husband. And so he has her brought to the palace. Her name was Bathsheba. Her husband's name was Uriah. And Uriah was one of David's soldiers. And with this first step, an idolatrous relationship begins. Now, it's not long before David finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant with his child. David's not sure what he needs to do, but he knows he needs to try to cover up this affair. So he has her husband, Uriah, brought in from the battlefield so he can spend the weekend with his wife. That way it would appear to the people that the child was his. But Uriah was too loyal to his troops, and he was also too loyal to King David, and so he didn't sleep with his wife. He didn't even stay at home. Now David... Didn't know what to do. He's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. And so you know what he did? He took another step. Another step. And that is the way sin always works in our lives. It's always another step. Another step that leads us farther than we ever intended to go. And for David, he found himself forced into this desperate attempt to cover up his sin. 
And so he ordered Uriah to be sent back to the battlefield and to be placed at the very front where the fighting was the fiercest because he knew that he would be killed. And just to make sure, he sent word for all the other troops to, be, to pull back and leave your, kind of Uriah there by himself. So when the news of Uriah's death reached the king, he felt he had safely covered his sin. But here's the problem. Now David's not only an adulterer, now he's a murderer as well. Now a year goes by, and the secret of David's sin seemed to be covered beneath the blanket of time. In fact, everything seems to be going pretty well outwardly, but within David's heart, man, he is being torn apart. He's just being torn apart. A London psychologist once told Billy Graham that 70% of the people in mental hospitals in England could be released if they could just find forgiveness. He said their problem was a bad conscience and they could gain no relief from the guilt and the pressure under which they lived. You know, I wonder if that's how David was feeling. I mean, after all, look, look what he wrote in Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Wow. Let me ask you, can you relate to David? I mean, can you relate to David? I mean, has there been a time in your life when you felt the guilt and the pain of your unconfessed sin and it weighed heavy on you because God was speaking into your heart, but you just didn't want to listen? Here's the thing. You might be able to hide it from family and friends and even hide it from your church, but you can't hide it from God. And if the sin in your life is not dealt with, it will take you out. It'll take you out. Here's what we got to remember. What seemed to be hidden on earth was an open wound in heaven. You get that? What seemed to be hidden on earth was an open wound in heaven. And so because David kept ignoring God's whisper of admonition, God sent that admonition through the prophet Nathan. And so Nathan goes to David, and he tells David a parable that finally brings him to the breaking point, and he comes face to face, face to face with who he had become. And he falls to his face and cries, I've sinned. I've sinned. Psalm 51 tells that story. And when you read it, you almost feel like you're invading David's private prayer room. But it's just his heart as he pours out his repentance and confession before his God. Look at what he wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Wow. I mean, think about 
what David is saying. Think about the pain. Think about the desperation. Think about the guilt that must have been invading his life and his heart. I mean, he cries out for mercy. He cries out for compassion. He wants God's unfailing love to be poured out on his life. And, and look at how many times he talks about that cleansing process. He wants the, the stain of his sin to be blotted out, to be taken away. He wants to be washed so that he can be guilt-free. He wants to be purified from the sin that's in his life. Now, that brings me to today's truth that I want us all to catch, and it's this. You will never experience forgiveness and freedom from guilt and contentment and inner peace until you listen to and you are obedient to God's whisper of admonition. You get that? You'll never find that that forgiveness that you're, you need in your life, you'll never find that freedom from guilt, contentment, and peace until you begin to listen to those whispers of admonition that God's bringing into your life. So with that said, here's what I want us to do for just a moment. I want us to listen to the testimony of another just ordinary Jesus follower who found her forgiveness and contentment and peace because she listened to God's Whispers of admonition. After we listen, then I'll wrap up our time with some practical steps that will help us to respond to God's whispers of admonition. So let's watch. So, hey everybody. Um, my name is Andrea Kimball. I um, was asked by Jerry to give a little bit of a testimony of um, how God has spoke to me through um conviction of my spirit and through through somebody so um i wrote some i, I really wrote my testimony down um and it's easier for me to kind of read it so that's what i'm gonna do um my story started in 2017 when um i first started to believe in christ and really started to change my life i was at the lowest of my low. And um, so I'm just gonna read this. Um, I slowly started my walk with God in late 2017. I started making small changes, first by changing the music that I listened to. I got baptized in late December 2017. And I think I did it just because it's what I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't know much about the Bible or God's love, only that I wanted my life to be changed for the better. For a few months, I kept doing the same things. I was, I had been doing the whole, the whole time that, that I had just been, I had been not following God and that I didn't know. Um, so I was still smoking. I was still doing drugs. I was, I was, just not on the path that I needed to be on. And I felt really convicted after I got baptized. Um, and it was just really heavy. Um, whenever I would smoke a cigarette or 
um, smoke a blunt or anything that I was doing that was completely wrong in God's eyes, I would feel a heavy conviction in my spirit. And I knew it was God speaking to me. Um, in the summer of 2018, when I was still not living the way that God wanted me to from an intimacy perspective, the way he intends for his people, I was in a relationship that was not approved of by God. We still wanted to have a physical relationship. So we, we decided to say vows as God as our witness and call it good. Things were okay for a week or so, but after that I felt this strong conviction like I was doing wrong and that something just did not feel right. At this point, I still had no idea what the Bible said about marriage and how a marriage was really supposed to look. I did not have married parents growing up. I did not grow up reading the word or even knowing much about God and I had never been married. So I just plain didn't know. But this conviction made me feel so bad, I would cry and plead to God to tell me what I was doing wrong because I wanted to live right. And if he would help me to stop using drugs and quit smoking, he could help me with this. I prayed and wrestled with the convictions for another month or so. And finally, one weekend, I felt so badly, I called the first Christian friend that I had a connection with, and that was Kara McEwen. That is when God spoke to me through her. I need a minute. <laughs> However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ephesians 5.33. That spoke to me. It's more than just a physical relationship and a marriage. And it was being convicted, and I was being convicted, because marriage is about the love for one another, not just the love behind closed doors. <clears throat> As a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2, 24. One flesh. Like, all the time. Communicating and trusting and helping one another without animosity or jealousy or anger towards one another but loving one another as one flesh. As she spoke with me for probably about an hour on the phone, if not more, God used her to speak to me and to help me see why I was feeling convicted and why it was wrong. Now I'm a bit hard-headed. To any of you who know me, you know this. <laughs> Takes a minute. Um, so I, it really took a few months before I really stood my ground to say I've had enough and this is wrong and I won't do it anymore. As hard as it was to say no to somebody that I loved, it felt so much better to feel God's peace, that I was pleasing him by living the way that he wants me to, learning to love myself through loving him and trusting him with my future. So, that's my testimony and that's my story. Um, it was probably one of the hardest things that I have done and I just wanted to share that with you and I hope that God is going to speak to somebody that they are not alone in this situation in anything that they're going through. There's been somebody who has been through it and I know that there's somebody out there that is going through stuff and they feel like they're going through it alone and nobody's ever been through it. And 
I just want to tell you, it's not true. We've all been through it. All right. Love you guys. I just want to thank Andrea for sharing her heart with us. And uh, I know that was difficult because I was with her when she recorded this. And it was tough. It's always tough when you realize where you've been and where God has brought you to. And so I just want to thank her. But here's what I need to ask all of us as we move forward. And that is this. Is the guilt and the pain of your unconfessed sin still eating away at you? Is it still eating at you? Would you today... Would you like to experience God's forgiveness and peace and contentment that comes from having that cloud of guilt removed from your life? Wouldn't you love to experience that today? Well, let me tell you, you can. Because here's what you need to do. We need to respond just like David did. So let me give you just a few steps. First step is this. It starts by listening to and being obedient to his whispers of admonition. And whether that's directly from God or it comes through somebody else who he is using to pour into you, you've got to listen and you've got to be obedient to what is being said. So here's a question I want to ask you, and that is this. Who is your Nathan? I mean, who is your Nathan? Who is it that can pour into your life when you get off track? You know what hit me this morning? I was just studying before before the service. As I was thinking about this, this is the thing that just kept going through my head. I thought about all the people over the years that I've counseled with and talked with that have sat in in my office and told me about the things that they needed to get right and they needed to do different and the struggles that they were having. And when I asked them, is there anybody pouring into them? They would say, oh yeah, the guys at work are taking me to the bar or whatever. And we've talked about that before. And I'm thinking, You're not going to get godly advice from that type of a person. But yet, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, I think that's why people do that. It's because they don't want to respond to the whisper of admonition that God is bringing to their life. And so instead of finding somebody who will pour into them the truth of God's word, they will find people that want to speak to what they are doing and almost make it okay. You see, we've got to find people. And God will use people who will pour truth into you so that you can respond to those whispers. That's what happened in David's life. So again, who is your Nathan? Who is pouring truth into you? The second thing is this. You have to admit and accept the fact that you have sinned. You've got to admit and accept the fact that you've sinned. This is where repentance comes into the picture. You see, repentance is a call to make a radical turn from one way of life to another way of life. It's an about face. It's a 180. Here's the thing. Things won't change in our lives until we come to the place where we admit and accept the fact that we have sinned and we decide that we are going to go in a whole new direction. I hope you caught this aspect of of Andrea's testimony because she talked about that and how God brought her into a whole new direction of life. The third thing is this. You've got to confess your sin to God. You've got to confess your sin to God. David writes, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. 
I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. And then look at this. All my guilt is gone. Wow. How would you, how would you like to wake up in the morning and have that sense within your spirit that you can just cry out, all my guilt is gone. I mean, how awesome would that be? I think that's something each and every one of us needs in our life, but it only comes when we're willing to confess those things to God. You see, confession is the key. And confession is simply to tell God what you've done and, and what you want to do about it in your life. Why? Because he promises if we will do that, he promises to forgive us. That's confession. Here's something else that I thought about this morning as I was studying. Things just kind of hit me in those moments. But I, I remember back when my boys were little, and when they were especially in elementary school, and Kyle especially because he was kind of an open book. He, he just couldn't hide anything. Now, let me tell you, because Lucy at different points had been a school nurse, they couldn't hide anything from us. So if they got in trouble, I always knew about it. Now, they didn't necessarily know that I knew about it, but I knew about it. But here's the thing I want you to understand. I would allow them the opportunity to come to me and tell me what they have done. Even though I knew it, I wanted them to tell me. I didn't want to go to them and say, hey, I heard this about you. I heard this is what happened. I wanted them to come to me. You know why? Because if they came and confessed it to me, it meant they were sorry. And it meant that they wanted to change. So do you see why God wants us to confess to him? The reality is God already knows it anyway, right? We need to know it. That's the key. We've got to know it. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's a very important principle that we've got to understand, and it's this. When we confess our sin to God, we don't ask God to agree with our assessment of the sin. We simply agree with his. You see, God doesn't ask us to confess because he needs to know we have sinned, but because he knows that we need to know we have sinned. That's confession. So that brings me to our question for the day, and it's this. What word of admonition is God trying to whisper to you right now? What word of admonition is God trying to whisper to you right now? You see, the bottom line is this. All of us receive calls of admonition from God, whether directly from him or through someone he sends. Why? Because all of us are sinners. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? So then. What is God asking you to leave or to abandon? What's he asking you to change? Is it the drunkenness, the drugs, the anger, the unforgiving spirit, the lying, the pornography? I mean, what is God's admonition to your heart today? Let's reflect. You know, once David got straight with God, once he got his life back right and he confessed and repented, his guilt was replaced with incredible joy. In fact, look at what Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 says. 
Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. I love that. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Wow. So do you need that today? Do you need to replace the guilt with joy, the guilt with peace and contentment? You can do that by just getting things right with God. Now, let me tell you, I would love to talk with you and connect with you on this if you'll hit that connect button. But the reality is you can also just right now, you can just bow your head and just pour your heart out to him and just pray, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I've done. I just need your forgiveness. I need you to blot out my sin. I need you to wash me clean. And I need you to to purify my life just like David did. And you can do that today. But again, I would love to talk with you if you have a decision you need to make, whatever is on your heart. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for all you do and for all you've done. I just pray, God, that, that this message will have spoken to hearts today, that they can understand the importance of just listening to your admonitions, whether it's straight from you or, God, you use other people to pour into us. Whatever it is, I pray, Father, you will help us to be open and receptive to what you are speaking into us today. Because, God, we just want to be the best we can be for you. We just want that relationship that's tight and close. And so help us, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.